All right, friend, I'm going to start today's show with a bold statement. Year-round travel sports are absolutely killing the youth sports culture in America. Back in the day, if you wanted to play travel or high-level club sports, you needed to be a pretty elite athlete. But today, it seems like most clubs will take anyone with a wallet and a heartbeat to play on their, quote, elite team. So as parents and coaches, how do we combat this? How do we bring youth sports back to the communities, the parents, and most importantly, the kids we're supposed to be serving? That's the topic of today's show. Now, unless you've been living under a rock for like the last 20 years, you've probably heard of Lee Taft at some point in time. And with good reason. Lee is arguably the best multi-directional speed coach in the world, and I know that I, personally, wouldn't be the coach I am today without him. And while we've talked about speed numerous times in the past, today we're going to attempt to tackle the topic that is youth travel sports. Now, if you're a regular to the show, welcome back. As always, love and appreciate you. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Mike Robertson, and this is the Physical Preparation Podcast. In this show, we take deep dives into the art and science of coaching, cueing, program design, business, and personal development. Basically, anything to help you become a better trainer, coach, or rehab professional. Now, as a parent and youth sports coach myself, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I've seen the kids that moved into travel sports and absolutely thrived, while others got so burned out in a year or two, they either went back to playing rec or they quit the sport altogether. So in this episode, we're going to try and tackle and get to the root of the problem. And if you're unfamiliar with the topic, help you understand just how draining travel sports can be on a family. So in this episode, we're going to try and tackle this massive problem. And if you're unfamiliar with the topic, we're going to help you understand just how draining travel sports can be on a family. But rather than just complaining about or lamenting the issue, Lee and I are going to dive in and talk about numerous strategies and ways you can help truly develop kids, all while integrating the family and community back into the mix. While this may be a little different from our standard episode, I think this topic is something that must be brought to the forefront, and Lee is so passionate about it, I had to have him on so we could have an in-depth chat. Now before we get to Lee, I'd love to give you a quick recap of the week that was and fill you in on what's new in my neck of the woods. So for starters, my basketball guys are starting to finish up their off-season training. It has been an amazing off-season with these guys, but I know this is my last week with at least a handful. Uh, They're going to be reporting early to training camps. They're going to be doing tryouts and just getting ready for this upcoming season. I mean, every time an off-season starts to wrap up, it feels like it's absolutely flown by. Some of these guys I've had since March or April, and I mean, here we are towards middle, end of August, and it's go time for them. So really excited. I think they've got some great opportunities ahead of them, and I really think some of these guys are going to catch on. They've worked so hard this offseason, and I can't wait to actually watch them play. So the basketball guys are wrapping up, and kind of as their offseason wraps up in the gym, it kind of kicks off my offseason if you will, with regards to my own personal development. So I'm already kind of planning out what do I want my training to look like because let's be honest here, the summer for me is very much kind of like a maintenance in-season type phase. 
I'm just trying to stay in decent shape, try and make sure I'm moving and feeling good so that when these guys take off, I can dive in and hit the, the training a little bit harder myself. So I got that, but also trying to plan my own con ed because I've got some pretty lofty goals for myself in the next you know three to five years, some things that I really want to work on and address professionally. So trying to plan ahead and figure out, okay, how am I going to tackle these areas? Who are some of the key people that I want to have mentor me or help lead me through the process? So definitely excited. I love kind of that planning phase and getting motivated. So whether it's my own training, my own con ed, looking forward to that when September rolls around here. Uh, Cade had his first ever kid pitch baseball game this weekend. So that is super exciting. Uh, I didn't know how fall ball was going to go. It's just really, really long days. Uh, If you could imagine, basically what fall ball is, is they know other sports take priority in the fall. So they basically do a double header every Sunday afternoon. Now, luckily, uh, we were supposed to have a practice that got canceled because of rain, but we still had to have our game or we still got to have our game. And it was really exciting. Uh, I thought the kids did great, but most importantly, Cade and I have been trying to work out 15, 20 minutes every day, work on his throwing, work on his catching, work on his hitting. He didn't get much action in the field, but his first time at bat, he got a hit off a real kid pitcher, and we only scored one run that entire game, and it was Cade's run. So that was pretty exciting for him and definitely tried to hype him up. So he's feeling good about that and just fun. Anytime you can watch your kids succeed and just trying to come back to one of our main kind of topics in this show of, you know, putting in the work and parents working with kids. Like that's really something I'm focused on right now with both my kiddos, making sure we get some work in every day. So, you know, when I'm done with this, I'm going to head outside and get some work in with him. So excited for him. Big, big weekend, kind of on two fronts here. They're they're very uh, closely tied together as far as uh, the calendar year goes. But in August, uh, August 14th, Jess and I celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary. So I always joke around with her. It's been 18 years of wedded bliss. Uh, but if you're keeping tabs here, we've been together for 25 years now, which is super cool, but also makes me feel pretty old when I look around. And that's longer than a good handful of my athletes have been alive. Um, but you know, wouldn't be where I'm at today without her. So love celebrating that, getting some time alone with her this weekend. And then actually August 4th, I didn't mention it on the show, or at least I don't believe I did, but August 4th, we celebrated our 14th anniversary of opening iFast. So, you know, that's just been a whirlwind when I think back to all the ups and downs, the trials and tribulations that we've been through. And Bill and I always joke around, it's like, who else decided to open a gym in the middle of probably the worst recession up to that point in time, right? 2008 was just an awful time to open a business, but we made it through that. We made it through COVID. We made it through 2020. So, you know, here we are 14 years later, just still love going in the gym, love building things with my clients, with my athletes, seeing their their successes. So, you know, just looking forward to kind of the next iteration of iFast. And I've I've kind of got this grand vision. Again, I've talked about it a little bit with my own con ed, talked about it with the gym. And as I start to bring this to fruition, I'll talk more about it here on the show. But just excited about the future. And speaking of the future, one last thing I wanted to mention was we have 
our third complete coach seminar lined up for 2022. So if you live in the Northeast, or even if you live in the U.S. and are willing to travel to the Northeast, November 4th through 6th in West Hartford, Connecticut, we are going to have our complete coach seminar. Couldn't be more excited about this event. Two and a half days of just getting in the lab, getting in the trenches, and getting dirty, like really trying to figure out, okay, what are our best practices with regards to assessment, with regards to program design, with regards to coaching? And the great thing about these events, I keep them small. We cap them at 20 people. And when it's small, there's a lot of hands-on instruction. I get to answer personal questions that people have. And in fact, that's a big portion of the event is on day one, getting all of the questions that the attendees have on a whiteboard so that we know at the end of the weekend what we need to cover and what people like you need to learn to feel like you can go back in the gym on Monday and be a more successful trainer or coach. So definitely excited about that. If you're interested, completecoachcertification.com forward slash seminar. I'll make sure I put uh, the link in the show notes here, but couldn't be more excited about that. So like I said, lots going on right now. Hope everything is good in your neck of the woods. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into this awesome, awesome episode with my guy, Lee Taft. Today's episode of the Physical Preparation Podcast is brought to you by Exerfly. If you're unfamiliar with flywheel training, it's a method of strength training where your athletes generate resistance by using the inertia of a flywheel instead of traditional gravity-based resistance training. By accelerating and then decelerating a disc, your athletes generate resistance at all phases of the movement. This allows for high force training as well as eccentric overloading without the need for crazy heavy weights. I first got interested in flywheel training because I wanted my athletes to be better prepared for sport. Standard free weight training is great for the early preparatory phases, but I wanted something that could improve the rate of force development in both the concentric and eccentric phases of the lift. Most importantly, I wanted to make sure my athletes were prepared for those eccentric forces that they'll encounter in sports. And with their motorized technology, the Exerfly allows you to increase the eccentric phase of the lift from anywhere from 1 up to 80%. The biggest objection I had early on was learning a new piece of tech or equipment. After all, sometimes these things sound great, but really aren't all that functional, or they take forever to figure out. But luckily, if you take the time to watch a few short videos and experiment a little bit, you'll be using the Exerfly like a pro in no time. Setup is quick and easy, and my athletes are absolutely loving it. Last but not least, there are tons of different exercises and variations you can use as well. Whether we're talking squats, hinges, presses, split squats, if you can think of it, chances are you can figure out a way to do it with the Exerfly. The really cool thing is Exerfly is used by numerous teams in the NFL, NBA, over 50% of the English Premier League, and numerous Olympic developmental programs as well. Now, as a small business owner, I normally think, hey, this is way outside of my budget. I can't afford it because we all know in a small business, every penny counts. But Exerfly has you covered there as well. They offer 36-month interest-free financing so you can get started ASAP with your training and pay as you go. And when you factor in a 30-day money-back guarantee, two-year warranty, and free shipping, I really believe this is a solid investment. Look, the bottom line is this. If I don't really love something, I'm not going to promote it on my show. I love my Exerfly, the results I'm getting with it, and I think you will as well. To learn more, head over to exerfly.com 
so you can start building some savage athletic beasts in your gym. Again, that's exerfly.com. Lee, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really, really excited to have you back on. If you're not my highest returning podcastee, you're pretty darn close. So, and just in case somebody's been living under a rock for like the past two decades, start by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Mike. This is always one of my favorite days when, when you reach out and we finally get to connect. We get to yeah. not only reconnect as friends, but, you know, we get to talk some pretty good stuff here. So, yeah. uh, thank you. But, yeah, I've, you know, I've been a coach for a long time. I started out in phys ed. Um, um, I, I went right out of college into phys ed and coached everything, you know, kind of small school. So, they, you know, that as well as doing custodial work and, you know, you kind of, you did everything. That's and, right. uh yeah. And then I, uh, you know, I really got the itch for strength and conditioning. I kind of was doing it as a de facto strength coach way back and I kind of got the urge and then I did my master's and that led me into full-time strength and conditioning. And I coached on the side. I was always coaching something, especially basketball. And and so over the years, it's gone from, you know, running performance facilities and, and you know, coaching teams, working in high schools and, uh you know, most recently, a lot of kind of like workshops and consulting yeah. and just helping other organizations that just want to kind of understand my thinking and how I formulate skills and drills on movement and stuff, you know, so we kind yeah. of go and we have fun doing that stuff. So yeah, it's been, it's been a fun ride. That's awesome, man. And talk to me, like what's new in your neck of the woods? Obviously you're down in Florida now. You said you're doing a lot of consulting. So what does the day-to-day look like for Lee Tap these days? Yeah, so actually, I just took a head boys basketball coaching job. I couldn't stay away. <laughs> you can't stay out, man. I, I tried, and I like, but I just got the urge again. And it's a it's a small school, five minutes from my house. My son is actually in eighth grade in that school, so the athletic director got to know me a little bit, and and uh, their their head boys coach left and went back home in uh, Iowa. And so he called me up and said, hey, would you be interested? I said, absolutely. Just, just give me a key. Let me in the gym and I'm <laughs> good to go. So, so I'm doing that after school, but in the mornings, you know, I'm, I'm real busy with, uh, you know, running our business and, and getting out information for people. And, uh, you know, and as we'll talk today, you know, really, really spending a, a, a t- more time than I thought on trying to help uh, our youth sports industry and our culture and stuff so it's a busy day it's been good though absolutely i love it so let's go ahead and dive in because i know you and i are both passionate about this topic and you know over the past couple of months you've talked a lot about this idea that travel sports are failing our kids so to begin just base level what got you so fired up about all this what really got you motivated to start talking and being more vocal about this yeah, yeah. So I would say about 20 years ago is when I really started to see a little bit of this, you know, more and more. And then, um, you know, I kind of talked a lot about it, but behind closed doors. I talked with individuals, I talked with this person and that person. And what would happen, Mike, is it was kind of like, oh, yeah, that's cutely, you know, good, good luck, you know, right. good for you. And this one, you know, I was just frustrated with it. And, uh, you know, my kids, when they were little, uh, you know, my son Brennan still eighth grade, but my daughters were out now. They, they, um, when they were young, they started to get into it a little bit. And I'm like, it took my wife and I about a week to say, okay, this is wrong. You could just, right. you could sense it right off. It was, it was totally against my philosophy. So then what happened is 
oh, after COVID, or during COVID, actually, we moved to Florida. We got down here. Florida is different in how they run things. Like uh, in Indiana, you had like the month of June when you could do stuff with your high school teams. You yeah. could go like, especially if we're talking basketball. You know, I'm not quite sure the 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 months for other sports, but I know basketball. And it was pretty obvious what you could and couldn't do. Here, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. You know, you got <laughs> you got you got teams that are going, you know, twelve months of the year, and they're working with them all the time. And but but the way they do it is they get them. They call themselves an AAU team. So you and I are coaching, you know, you, you know our kids' team. And in order for them to keep playing, we have to say, okay, we're the Indiana you know, superstars or whatever. Right. We're no long we're no longer the, you know, Carmel or, you know, the high school. We're the right. we're now we get to give ourselves a name and maybe one kid from another school plays with us and you're good to go. Now you can do anything you want all year. Mm-hmm. And so coaches are just running wild with that. And there are kids that are involved literally 12 months a year. They have one month or couple one couple weeks they have to kind of downtime when school starts or whatever. Right. But other than that, and they're going. So, Mike, I started watching because Jay, who, you know, my oldest daughter, when yep. she lived here before she moved out west, she actually was the JV coach at the big high school here. But, you know, it's pretty good size. Six hundred kids a class. It's a good yeah. school, a good size school. And so she's coaching. And I and she kept saying, oh, yeah, we're still going. We go year round. They finished their last high school game February like six or something like that. February 8th, AAU started. They had a tournament the next week. Oh my and gosh. we're traveling. Yep. And so I started watching her girls and I noticed that they weren't really skilled, like not re- like they couldn't dribble left really well or make a left hand layup and all. And so and I watched them the whole year, almost 18 months, and they still couldn't make a layup, still couldn't. dribble. But mm. they went they went to uh, Georgia, Tennessee, Cincinnati, Texas. And they had one other tournament that they went to. And I overheard one parent saying, yeah, it's costing us like three, $4,000 to do this because they took their other kids, flights, room, all the stuff. It was too oh far to gosh. drive. Yeah. Yeah. And these kids are not high level. Like they're not someone you would say, oh, that kid's going somewhere. Right? They're right. like, eh, maybe make JV. Maybe. That's the type of talent. And then I'm watching fights and I'm watching, you know, people being kicked out of these games and i'm thinking like this is just this is ridiculous this is wrong this isn't what i grew up playing and you grew up playing i mean we used to play and plus we did a lot at the parks and all so i got so frustrated and then i posted one time on it and i would always post something every once in a while but i i kind of got on a rant for about a week and i started posting truthful obvious things that i was not only seeing but hearing and I started getting responses privately. And they're like, oh, Leah, I, mean, I had one mom. She goes, I'm crying as I'm typing this because my my daughter's, you know, basic love of the sport has just been taken away because of this and that. And and uh, just the, the abuse that a lot of them go through because some of these travel teams, um, what happens is you get unqualified coaches a dad, yeah. a brother, a brother who played, you know, at the Y. Yep. And you know, now they can get an aid because anybody can do it. Doesn't matter. Just get a t-shirt and go play. Right. Right. And and so they were really, really getting beat up. And so it ended up just becoming something I said, you know what? 
I, I've kind of silently fought this, but I'm going after it. And, and uh, you know, I've had a lot of, you know, I've had a lot of angry people because they're <laughs> the ones who are making a lot of money. Sure. And they, they couldn't answer my questions. They couldn't respond respectfully and appropriately to as to really their mission. Really, what are you trying to do with these kids? Are you actually making them better when they don't practice very much, but they travel out of state? to play against other teams that are dominant teams that are getting beat and everybody's mad and there's violence. What are you really accomplishing? Yeah. That's not what I want for my kids. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to kind of give us a little bit of insight here, you posted something a while back and I'd never heard this before, but you talked about how AAU actually originated and who it originated for. Would you mind talking about that a little bit? Because I think that's really insightful. Like when you understand what it started out as and where it is now. Yeah, yeah. So, and there's a lot of different people will chime in and say, oh, that's not true. This happened. Then uh, uh, somebody else comes in and said this. But what I've known it as, and when I was younger, like I didn't have, I didn't know of AAU other than the actual meaning of the amateur athletic union in, in terms of, global sports right. right it was a way for amateurs and uh other federations around the world to be able to do things together and to compete so it was even though like when we say amateurs we're not saying beginners and i think people misunderstand that like you know our our until the dream team our best players in the world were the elite olympic players other than the nba those were yeah. the guys so the guys that made the olympics or whatever they they weren't our pros those were amateurs Track and field, the best for those were considered amateurs, right? So it would fall under that. So AAU um, was formed in all these different sports, but in basketball, it was a way for the top players to be able to have uh, a, a, an opportunity to compete at higher level tournaments and play against other top players and to be, um, you know, because if you're like the best, if you're the best in Indianapolis, and you want to get the best in Columbus, Ohio, and the best in, you know, Champaign, Illinois, whatever, you know, you can form a team, you can get together, and then you guys go play other regions around the country, and you get, that's kind of what it was originally uh, for, you know, I kind of muddied it a little bit, but that was its intent, and then what happens is, you know, moms and dads, and maybe a coach or whatever says, well, my kids should be able to do that too, you know, and so now, there was no legislation or, or restriction saying you have to be licensed or certified or whatever. You just have formed a team. Yeah. And now, now it started. And, and you know, we're a very entrepreneurial country. So people are smart. They said, ah, there's a lot of money there in this youth sporting industry. And so they started forming little organizations. Not, no one could call them AAU, but it's not always AAU. It could be something else. Sure. Uh, yeah, it falls under a different name. And and uh, but they started forming their own little teams. And then and then they started playing. But what happens is they it started to pull from recreational leagues and tournaments. So. You know, maybe in Fishers or where I grew up in New in the New York area, where all of a sudden the, the, the talent was getting pulled away because they were saying, ah, there's this elite travel team. And all it was was the same kids you're playing with who now wear a different right. <laughs> travel suit. Right. And they started to go play. And so that's how the whole thing happened. But it wasn't intended, 
you know, for the average player who doesn't really know how to play well. That wasn't, it wasn't its intent. It was to give talent an opportunity to compete and see how good you are against other talent. And that, that's, and then it just went awry from there because of money. See, that is so enlightening because I never knew that. I remember in Muncie where I grew up, there wasn't a ton of AAU uh, teams. So I finally did find one. I think it was my junior year. And I was like, wow, this is a definitely a higher level of talent, right? But keep in mind, this is like 25 years ago now. Yeah. Versus, you know, people are talking about, hey, Cade, my son, who's, you know, eight, he should he should look into these travel clubs. And I'm like, well, which one? And just in our area, we have the Bulls, the Nitro, the Orange, the Fishers Falcons, the Express. I'm like, how does it get this crazy? And like you said, it's, it's pulling from like the rec programs. And now these kids, you know, if you go to a, a, a club, you might get the club director as a coach. You might get the just, you know, excited dad that wants to hang out with his kid more. And so it's just totally random how this whole thing works. And it just blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the problem. It's no one's intent is to hurt children. Right. I I completely understand. And I know my obnoxious, you know, (laughs) comments can rub people the wrong way. But that was my intent. I'm trying to make people angry enough to start talking about it. Yes. And or start listening because before it was kind of like, oh, yeah, he, you know, whatever, you know, now people are like, hey, you know what? That's not right. Our team is doing the right thing. I'm like, OK, good. But you're one of many. And if you're in this like you and I are in terms of even the fitness industry, the strength and conditioning industry, or in my case, because I, I work in basketball now, I'm in it for the greater good. Yeah. My kids are fine. Because I, I, my son, I did not allow him to do all the things his teammates did, nor did he want it because he got it. He understood it. Right. Funny thing is, he improved past a lot of them doing it the recreation way, the, the getting in the weight room in my garage, yep. uh, you know, putting a video on of some skills coach that does some really cool. He worked at his game, you know, and then he had then he had time to be a kid. He yeah. didn't spend his weekends in a hotel which sounds fun for the first one or two times. And then the 15th, 16th, 17th time, these kids are like, I don't want to play anymore. This isn't fun anymore. And that's what I'm trying to protect against. And so like in your case, and and I know exactly what you're talking about, because when I coached in Indiana, there are travel teams everywhere. Just they're, they're everywhere. So what happens is there's no way there's that many good kids to have that many travel teams and make it really good competition. So what you're getting is you're getting recreation beginning level talent that are paying $350 to $500 to enter a tournament and maybe play at the field house, you know, yep. fish or any of these events. And then um, I'll just tell a quick, quick side story, but the entry fees. So my son, his team, it was his middle school team. They ended up playing in a tournament. Anything that was local, we we played it. He went sure. and played. But if it was traveling three hours, we're like, yeah, we're not. Why would he didn't want to do that either? But I'm right. like, no. Why would we go there? So we go and play in one. It was like an hour away, a little bit over. And um, we, her parents, Jen's parents, happened to come down. Her grandparent, or, so Brendan's grandparents, they wanted to go watch him play. So we paid for them to get in. It was twenty dollars for each of us. So there's a hundred dollars for one day. Oh, my gosh. It cost us $54 because I remember this because I've talked about it a lot yeah. to drive there. We got gas. And then we 
eight, so it was over two hundred dollars for that one day. But there was another day we had to come back again. The first game they got beat by fifty. The second game they got beat by forty, and then the next day they played and they got beat by twenty something by actual high level teams, like right. really really good players that were really good, and. You know, there were technical fouls and officials being tacked up and parents standing up and, oh you know, berating. And I'm sitting there with her parents and Jen, my wife, and sitting there saying, I, I, how do people not see this? Like, we would not tolerate this anywhere else. This happened in a classroom and somebody acted, we would be upset. We would right. be, or if it happened in the mall or if it, but at the games, it's unbelievable. So, we're looking at this this current model of and, and it's it's got so much momentum right now because there's money and the people in charge make a lot of money off this. There's a yeah. guy out in the Portland, Oregon. I think it was Portland or it was, it was out west. He he did a volleyball. He made he grossed one million dollars in a three day tournament. So oh that's the gosh. kind of. That's the kind of money we're talking. So in basketball, now some of those tournaments might get near that, but even these local ones, you know, they're still walking away with 20 grand a weekend or or whatever. So they're like, hey, I'm not stopping. I don't care that these kids can't play or their parents are a jerk or right. whatever. I'll deal with that, but then I'll cash my check. And, right. and, you know, and that's the problem. And that's why I'm fighting for you and I want our kids to get better at their sport. We want them to have fun with it. We, we want them to excel. And if their potential says, you know what? Yeah, they, they might be able to play college. They might be able to play at Division three or or NAIA or two or one, whatever. We want that to happen. There's so many better ways without destroying um, uh, the, the, the dynamics of a family, uh, the sport itself is just being it's being uh bastardized right now it really is you go to these games mike i've had at least 15 to 20 i just had one the other day videos sent to me of just fights of uh, one guy uh, official was sitting down and kid was mad went over and punched sucker punched him and then the fans got involved and I've, like 15 to 20 of those and that's just what's been sent to me that's not all the right. other ones out there so it's really really as you can tell, it's even hard for me sometimes now to uh, talk and, um, you know, compartmentalize it enough because it, it, it's it's so uh, it makes me so angry that people can't see that it's wrong and there's a fix to it. But, but everybody's like, well, my kid won't get into college and he's eight years old or nine years old. How's he going to get in college? I'm like, he probably won't even like basketball in five years if you <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. Right. You know, if you keep doing what you're doing, he's not going to like it. So who cares about college? You know, just get him to enjoy playing. So, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I love it, man. So one thing that I really want to focus on, because there is plenty of, like, negativity, and people do understand that, like, there's issues there, right? Whether we're talking burnout, whether we're talking about playing one sport exclusively, uh, just the potential injury risk, right, of just yep. doing yep. the same thing over and over and over. But I'd love to focus on different strategies, Right. Like yes. things that we can do either in the system, outside the system with the parents. So just for starters here, let's say you're talking to a parent and they are just dead set. They're going to do travel ball with their kid, baseball, basketball, whatever. What advice would you give them to make sure that they pick the best situation for their child? 
Yeah, yeah, and that's a good one. That's the question I get a lot. I get a lot of private messages asking, like, how do we go about this? Right. And I'm like, and, I, and I'll tell them, I say, okay, not every situation is, is as dire as I'm talking about, even though the majority is. It's gotten to that point where yes. it's, it's tremendous amount. So what I tell them is always keep in mind the ultimate goal is to make sure, especially when we're talking about younger kids, younger, like elementary to middle school age that really still have time to develop. If you're talking about a junior in high school that's pretty talented, yeah, maybe you need to find something where they can compete against good kids if they don't have it in their town. Yep. But what I always tell them to do is, first of all, make sure the, the, the program that they choose, whether it's recreation, a recreation league, uh, a three-on-three tournament, whatever it is, or a travel team, if they're going to choose something like that, first of all, make sure they have a coach that understands development. They understand um, getting involved in a tournament can be a really detrimental thing to your kid when they're playing five, six, seven games in a weekend, and all of a sudden, you know, your kid tweaks a knee, and now they're out for months anyway. Just because they got fatigued, and yeah. they tried to make a play, and because I've seen it, I, I in Indiana we had a girl that was a really top level player at another school. Last game of her AAU, she tore ACL, lost yeah. you know, at Division One schools looking at her, and that's what happens. Not that it can't happen, but when you're playing seven games in a weekend, that's a lot, especially for a sport like basketball. Yeah. Um, so I try to get them to understand. First of all, what's your goal? Okay, you I, well, I want my kid to enjoy it. Okay, there's better options, right? <laughs> right. You, there's better options that because it becomes very overwhelming and you got to be careful because a lot of these coaches have the mindset of we have to win. If we're not winning, well, then it's no fun. Well, when you got a 10 year old, they just want to be with their friends. They, yes. you know, they love to win if they win. So I tell them, make sure you get with a coach that understands everybody needs to play. If you're paying, you need to play. You need to get exposure. And they need to not pay like half a quarter and then that's it because they're not very good. They have to play and have e as close to equal time as possible if you want them to develop. Now, if the coach says, nah, you know, we best players play, I would go the other way. I would say, yeah. thank you for letting me know that. We're going to look elsewhere. The other thing that I would do if if they can, and, and we're not seeing as much as these as when like when I was younger and, and when you were younger, is there there used to be really good quality camps. There still are some. I would always tell the parents that ask me about this, I'm like, look at if you got a couple hundred dollars, some some of them are three hundred dollars, some a little bit more if they're overnight, but if you're not gonna do it overnight, get your kid to a good quality camp where there's gonna be skill instruction. There's going to be maybe a lecture where they're going to listen to, you know, what it takes to be good. And then there's going to be game play. They're going yeah. to have you play. And you're going to do that every day. And you're going to do it every day for the week. And you're going to start to develop uh, a, a strategy where the kids can come home and because the coaches are going to say, when you go home, don't put your basketball away. Now you got to get out and you got to go to the park and shoot and get your shots up and you got to dribble and you got to do that. That is the advice that I'm giving a lot of parents. Find one to two of those a summer. Um, that are not too expensive, but will get them really good exposure. They get to meet new kids. They get to get around uh, the, the college coaches usually is what, who's doing it. Yeah. And it's a great way for them to start to now develop their game. Now, the last point that I make to the parents is, okay, your kid's getting pretty good. Like they're now probably better than their kids around them. And you know that they need some more skill. 
Well, you can do two things. Number one, you can still get them good competition if you go to a recreation center like a, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, like the field house or whatever, when they have open gyms or whatever, and there's older players playing, get in those games. That's yeah. exactly what I did with my daughters. I got, I knew when the, the older guys played and they went and played with them and they played a couple times a week and I'd get them over there and I'd watch just, I'd get out of the way, just make sure they didn't get hurt. Right. And that's how they learned how to play. And I'm like, it didn't cost us anything. And if you're going to go for the travel team, find a travel team that, Number one, isn't too expensive, isn't going to cart you all over the country, you know, playing in these huge tournaments, because that just doesn't make sense to me, unless you're the elite player that needs that. And then make sure you have a coach that's going to play you, because if not, you're going to get angry. You're going to spend thousands of dollars. And I had a dad not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, say, no, 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 our, our team was only $500 to get on. I said, okay. How much did you pay on every entry fee? He goes, well, yeah, we paid you know, anywhere between 20, 25 per time. Okay. What was the hotel fees? And he goes, okay, I get your point. He said, yeah, we, we probably spent five, 6,000 through our son's seat. And I said, what level is your son? He goes, he's just beginning. I'm like, why? Right. Why? You right. know? And, it, and he eventually said, yeah, it wasn't that great of an experience. It started out good, but then they played every weekend, kept going. I'm like, that's my point. You're, you're risking your son's love of the game because you're putting him in an environment that doesn't keep pulling him along. It pushes him away because right. they get yelled at by parents who who think their kid should have the ball and officials don't really care. They're, they're just to make money. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Because, but to their defense, they're working, you know, they're working six, seven, eight games in a row. I mean, that's brutal. Yeah. I mean, that's so I, no wonder they don't want to run up the floor anymore. So, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So that's kind of what I tell them, Mike. And last point, because I know you have a lot of other questions here, but this is the hard part for parents to get is we have the power. You and I have the power. If we say, no, we're not going to join anymore. It ceases to exist. These travel teams only can survive because we keep feeding them with our money. We give, you know, 500 to a low level, 5,000 to 10,000 to the really high level. Yep. And they get that money and that's what pays them to keep it going. And now the high schools and the recreation centers know this. So they're jacking their prices up for these tournaments to rent their space. Yep. So, that, you know, and, and that's why it's $25 to $20 to get in for parents. So you go with three people in a family, you're paying 60 bucks to $75, you know, to attend a game that you have no idea what's going to even happen in this game because, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So, right. so that's my problem. So we have to look at it as parents and say, no, they're not going to accept this anymore because my kid, basketball is free. It's a free yeah. game. I can go to, I can go, you and I can go right now and shoot. It's free. It's, it's you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like some sports where you do have to pay to play the thing, not basketball. So we have a, we have many, many options and I can dive into more options. Uh, if that's where you want to go with it. No, I think that's super helpful. And I think as parents, one of the things you have to ask yourself is like, what's your why? Not what everybody else around you is doing, not what the club is exactly. telling you to do. Like you have to be really clear. And I think this is something that, 
you know, is again, we're kind of at that age where we're starting to get pushed in this direction more and people are asking, you know, oh, what, are, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I think you you expressed it very clearly. What's your why? What do you want your kid to get out of it? And for me, as a parent, you know, I don't care so much. Sixth and third grade, I don't care about wins and losses. Honestly, yep. if they're going to play something like this, it's about development, right? Yep. I want to see them improve and it's got to be fun. And yep. I think so often that gets kind of cast by the wayside. And I see it because, you know, I try not to be judgy about other coaches, but I'm a coach, yeah. you know. So if yeah, I watch, yeah. if you watch other coaches and they're yelling at fifth graders, it's like, why? Why? This should be fun for them. And and one of the things that I always try to do, I picked this up very early. I don't know where I heard it, but the basic premise was don't be this kid's last coach. Exactly. You uh, know? A, I was going to say that statement, and I, yep, that's exactly <laughs> true. Uh, the U, the USA Volleyball um, director was the guy that I heard that from, and I forget who he heard it from, and uh, John Kissel. Um, yeah. Uh, Kissel or Kissel or something. Yeah, but he's the one who I heard him say that one years ago, and that always stuck with me. I'm like, that is critical. And, um, uh, Mike, a really – important step that I took when I was when I when I was coaching is I talked to my parents and this was in Indiana so this yeah. was a while ago talked to my parents and I just what you said what's your why why are we doing this for you well I want my kid to you know be really good or maybe get scholarship. I said, okay all right so so your goal is for them to get better so development's yeah. important to you right and they're like yeah we want to develop I said do you do you feel like you have to pay a lot of money for that? They're like, well, yeah, that's what I said. So I couldn't develop your kid. Well, of course you could. You're a basketball coach. I said, well, then why would you go? Like, why not use me? It's free. I have the key to the gym. Right. I can go any night of the week. I can get your kid and we can have fun and develop. And they're kind of like, well, yeah, I didn't think of that because you're, you know. <laughs> I could, you know if you so this is what I did is – and you could do this with your son and you could start getting the parents is what I did is I got my younger kids. So my elementary age kids, and I, I did this in the public schools. And I did it when I coached one year for homeschool, a homeschool team, which is actually a really big organization. I went and would call other schools. So I called like um, Center Grove. We, you know, I was at Greenwood. I called Franklin um, Indian Creek. And I said, hey, look at Saturday. You guys want to come over? I've got it. Bring your teams. Just bring your practice jerseys or whatever you want. Come on over. No officials. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to play, and then we're going to rotate and play each other. But here's how we're going to do it. Each team, when you play, because we had an auxiliary gym as well, when you play, the first 10 possessions, we're going to treat it like football. Okay? So we get the ball, 10 possessions. We're going to run offense. You run defense. But coaches, we're on the floor. And if you don't like how the play went, just stop it real quick, teach them real fast, take about 10 seconds, teach them, and let's do it again. Right. And we did that, then we flipped. And then we played full court for a little bit. And we went up and down. And then we finished, they were a little bit tired, we finished, and we said, okay, let's do a two-minute tournament. Your team's up by seven, our ball, go. Right? Now, yeah. we're, now they're, and then we did a 30-second tournament. We're up by two, your ball, out of bounds, on the sideline. Ready, go. And then we did it. Oh, my gosh, Mike, you should have heard the coach. It was like, what the heck are we doing traveling? Why aren't we doing more of this? And right. I said, that's my point. You guys are telling me you want your kids to get better. You want them to, to like, get exposed to uh, 
situations that make them learn the game better. We just did all of it. We just right. did it all. And, and it didn't cost a dime. It was yep. completely free other than what it costs you to drive, you know, a half hour over in your car. Right. And so I would do that at different uh, um, schools that I was at. So the only thing is if a parent who has a little bit of pull with a school district and maybe can rent an elementary gym or, you know, if parents chipped in and rented a, a, a recreation court for an hour and a half or whatever, you could do stuff like that. And, and yeah. it, you could do it once a week for six weeks, eight weeks and do three and three stuff. There's so many options to reach the goal you talked about, about what's your why. We all want our kids to have fun. We all want them to get better. Right. Well, we shouldn't have to pay 5000 over a six-month period for our kids to get better, of which we're proving they're not in travel ball. It's not set up for that, and that's the problem. Yeah, I love it, man. So one thing that I know you put a lot of thought into as well, you kind of talked about it a little bit here, but beyond just like the gameplay is like ways we can just make the system better for everybody involved. So would you mind talking a little bit about your thoughts as to how we can reshape the system and make it better for both the parents and the children, right? Like nothing against the club directors, but as a parent, you know, I want... It, to be a better experience for my kid. I want them to get more out of it. So what what kinds of things can we do to continue to maybe change or reshape the landscape here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if we were to keep everything as is, but restart it, okay? Restart yeah. the pricing structure, the travel structure and all that. Because I have no problem with the concept of uh, like your, your son playing with another boy from another school. I think that's awesome. That's yep. great. You know, it's good to play with your school team, but go play with other kids. So if we want to call that a travel team, that's fine. Whatever we want to label, you know, kind of the other kids getting together. If we want to keep that, that's fine. But now let's put restrictions on how many kids we have on a team. If you get 10, 12 kids, it's really hard. Yeah, it, it really is. Now 10 is pretty good, but you know, you're going to get maybe half the playing time. And, and you know, unless you're, you know, play more games, which sometimes is tough, unless you're in these tournaments, it's kind of tough. So I like seven to eight kids because now everybody plays a lot. They get a lot of time. I like to restructure where maybe we have an official, but if it's younger kids, I like the coaches to officiate. Mm. And I like to put the onus on the kids to start to learn how to officiate their game. So if, if somebody steps out of bounds or dribbles out of bounds, oh, out of bounds, call it. No problem. If you have an adult around, so the coach is around, and they can overturn things, they can just take care of disputes quickly. But let the kids, hey, I got pushed. That was a foul. Right? Now, older kids know how to call a foul. Hey, foul, check it out. Right. So they'll play. So now we start to eliminate the need to pay $75 per game per official. If you have two officials and you have a whole bunch of them all game long, that's a lot of income. That's a lot of money. I think we need to get, whether it's parent teachers associations, booster clubs, athletic directors, whomever, we need to get schools in this coalition of saying, we're changing youth sports for the better. We're not going to charge you $5,000 $5,000 for the weekend to run your tournament, which is going to gross you, you know, 15 to 20,000. We're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to give it low cost. We have to have a custodial fee because they got to come in and clean. It's going to cost right. you 200 bucks or whatever. We're going to allow the schools to collect the all concessions and they can collect the 
you know, if you want to charge parents to come in a couple bucks, or if it's going to be a decent tournament for a day, you know, $5, $10 for a whole family for the whole day. Tournaments need to be one day. I like to call these micro tournaments. Okay. We're just coming in. We're going to play one day, two games maximum. Keep it local. Cause I wouldn't want to drive from Indianapolis to Pennsylvania to play, you know, two games. Two games I want right. Yeah, but I wouldn't mind driving to Spies, you know, an hour and a half up to Fort Wayne or, you know, if I had to do that's fine because I get two good games in. Then you're home for the rest of the weekend. You've got your family back. You've got your weekend back. Um, I, I'd like to see no kid fouls out. But if they get five now at your age, like your son's age, eight, now, yeah, it doesn't matter anyway. You just kind of right. tell them and teach them. But when it's middle school, high school kids, and and I have five fouls. My next foul is not only a you know it's, it's another foul, but it's a um, uh, the, the other team gets a technical foul shot, yep. and they get the ball. Yep. So it, it's you know so my coach is like, Lee, you better keep your hands off him. I'm taking you out. <laughs> right. I, I I need you on offense, but defense don't kill us. Right. So now the kids are learning a little bit of restraint on how to defend. Don't don't foul because you're hurting your team more than you fouling out. But I don't like kids sitting out. Right. No other sport do they take you out for that length of a time unless you're ejected, right? So rules like that. And then what I would like to see is, and I kind of mentioned this, every time we run these tournaments, so let's say we did a a um, tournament and we we went ninth grade and up. Because I'm if, if I'm doing travel basketball, AAU, it's ninth grade and up. Everything else is a different model. And so if we do it, and let's say we go in the games at Noblesville High School, we got, you know, we got um, maybe 12 high school teams going there. Each team plays twice, they play, but then we're going to do a two-minute tournament at the end. One and done. You either win or you're out. And, it, and you advance to a championship. It's done in a half hour Yeah. at most, that tournament. Kids are excited. And then if you want, throw in a 30-second one. Okay, guys, we're coming back in, 30-second. Kids will come just for that. Yeah, Parents I would watch that. For that. Oh, that's fun, you know? And especially if you say, okay, you guys are down. We got the ball and go from there. You know what I mean? If you do something like that, now it's a challenge, right? Yeah. Now you, 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 can, you can work it. You can set it however you want. The bottom line is the premise work because I've used those many times. And the kids love them. The parents who would watch love them. And then my other thing is that I think we have to do is every time there's a game, whoever is a representative of the school or the rec or the, the recreation place that's running and, and running the tournament, before every game, somebody gets on the mic and uh, just says, "Fans, we appreciate you being here. Just know this is zero tolerance. Any any you know uh, you know flagrant arguing." violence, anything like that, the game stops and you're dismissed. You refuse to leave. Your team that you represent is done. They're yeah. gone. That's it. And you will not be allowed back. And all of a sudden, it takes pressure even off the parents because I don't think anybody tells them that. Nobody holds them accountable. Right. And I've done that when I ran mine. I used to have dads who kind of like yelled at their kid. And I'm like, nope, nope, stop. That's it. This isn't for you. I'm letting you sit in here, but this is for them. And they were kind of like, okay, I got it, you know? Yeah. And that was it. That's all I had to say. And it stopped. Mike, what that does is it, it, it brings youth sports 
back to the kids being the what it's about. Because right yeah. now it's not about kids. It's it not. really isn't. There's it's too not. much money for it to be about kids. And there's too much. Can you imagine if, let's say, your son did get asked to play on a local team. Okay. He's eighth grade. Oh, he's eight years old. And, and the coach said to him, listen, if you want to get a scholarship, you better be able to make that left-hand layup. What, like, what is going through your head when you would say that to a kid? Because maybe he's just playing because he wants to play with his friend who's playing. Yeah. And that's what we want. Like when these, these AAU coaches said, well, you're never going to get a scholarship. Well, maybe it's not about the scholarship. Maybe yeah. they just want to play. They want, you know, they're they're not playing another sport right now. They lift weights and they do speed training and they do stuff. But this is what they do. Well, they shouldn't have that pressure of, oh gosh, if I don't show up really well in this game, I'm not going to get a scholarship. That should be the last of your concerns. And then my last point is, all these coaches who are pushing college, and I think that's awesome if you make it. They better know the real college experience because it's not what we see in March Madness when it yeah. looks all fun and everybody's jumping and hug hugging. Why do you think the portal is getting full all the time? Why do you <laughs> think kids are dropping out and transferring? And because it's brutal. It's yeah. not. It's not a friendly place at a lot of these levels. My daughters both have gone through it, and 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 it's and I of course have had a lot of athletes that have gone through it. So the whole thing has to just reshape itself yeah. and. It's going to be hard. I Moving the needle is going to probably maybe never happen, but that doesn't mean I'm going to give up. I'm going to keep fighting it So because I want people around me at least to know they do have options. And I've had moms literally cry with me on the phone saying, you know, my kid, we can't afford it. But yeah. I keep getting told if they don't, they're not going to play high school. I know. I'm like, well, that's first of all, that's not right. It's that's messed not up. right. So, yeah. 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 I think. One of the best parts, and I've talked about this on the the show numerous times, but probably the the single best part of the last year for me coaching-wise, as great as it is working with the athletes in the gym, it was actually coaching Kendall's soccer team oh, yeah. because we had such a ragtag group. They really came together. They developed. I mean, not that it's all about winning and losing, but I mean, they won like their fall championship. But even in the spring, we couldn't repeat, but those girls had so much fun together, like they were like planning events where they could go hang out outside of soccer. You know, yep. they just enjoyed yep. the, the experience and their friendship. So I felt like, okay, like we did all right with this group, you know? So, okay. That's awesome. Last but not least, feels a little awkward here because we've been talking about other stuff, but I still want to do a lightning round yeah. with you because yeah, I, I love the lightning round and I love your thoughts on this. So yep. number one, you're way, way, way too early pick. For the NBA Finals 2023. Ah, this, <laughs> this is a good one. I'll tell you, man, I love what the Clippers have done. Jeez, they yeah. bringing in John Wall. It's all going to be a help thing for them. Yeah. But they're one in the back of my head that's going to be good. But um, I'm not sure the Warriors are ready to give it up. I don't yeah. know. I mean, and the reason I say the Warriors are probably my, my pick again is they make like they score easier than everybody else. Yep. You know what I mean? When you can just fluently pull up from anywhere in the gym <laughs> and, and score that easily, it just demoralizes teams. And that's one thing that doesn't go away. That like, like you take staff or clay, even though they've gotten hurt shooting, you can do. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you're, if you're John Morant, 
and you can't jump anymore, is your game as good? Right. You know, Steph and Clay, they're not jumpers anyway. They're just going to shoot you out of the gym. Right. And and the players that they've got around them. So I don't know. Until they somebody beats them, that's my pick again. Yeah. And they're so much fun to watch, right? Like, yeah. I, I just have enough guys that have, like, played against them or played against, you know, Steph or Clay, and they're like, dude, it's exhausting. Imagine, <laughs> imagine chasing those guys around for 30, 40 minutes every night. Like, yeah. it's it's that's unbelievable re- to watch them. That's what Reggie Miller used to do. People oh, would yeah. say, trying to, you know, we, we had the privilege of watching, you know, obviously here in, in, or in Indiana, you know, you chased them the whole game. Ray yeah. Allen was like that. Yes. You just chase these guys, and they're the ones who just wear you out. So yeah. that's not going away with uh, the Warriors for a while. No, you're right. Okay, number two. I'm really interested in this one. I'd like to hear your favorite basketball players to watch play. And what I'd really love is like one past, any era, and then one present. Who do you like to watch? Yep. yep. So the player that I loved watching growing up, and some of the listeners might not remember, but a guy by the name of Tiny Archambault, Nate Archambault. Okay. Played with the Celtics. Yeah, he moved around a little bit. He was, a, you know, a, a, just an unbelievably quick uh, guard who led the NBA in assists and scoring. And it was during a time when I just loved watching. It was in the seventies, and I love you know Chris, you know uh, Colin, not Chris, Chris is his son, but uh, Collins and and Maravich and all these guys playing. But but Tiny Man, he was so good, and I loved him. He was the one originally that made me want to be a quick point guard. You okay. know, because he was the one. That, yeah, him and JoJo White was another player way back then. Yep. Now nowadays, you know, um, I get a lot of players that I really do enjoy watch and play um but i i really love watching um uh, damian lillard because and, and this is kind of an odd answer probably for a lot of people to hear but the reason i love damian number one he's really good yeah really skilled unbelievable game but i love his loyalty and i love his you know, unwillingness to give up in games and the way he plays and the way he, he leads things. And, and it's funny because I get turned off sometimes when players just leave because they can, and they go somewhere else to win. I love the guys that just kind of stay. And it doesn't mean I don't love the Kevin Durant's and the guys who are really good, but move, but man, I just, something about Dame Lillard. I always loved. I love the way he plays. I love his attitude. I like his approach. And, you know, Chris Paul, yeah. you know, I know he's, he's, he's more traded than anything, but he's another one. I love his leadership. Those are the kind of guys I like. I love it. Okay. Number three, this is a little bit more applicable to uh, today's talk topic, but if you could put one message on a billboard that every parent in America would see, what would it say? Hmm. Can I say two? Yes, of course. I'm going to say two. So I'm going to put the front of the billboard and in the back when you're coming back home. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So on the front, I would say, parents, make sure you say, I love watching you play. Simple. Say that to your kids every day. If you say, I love watching you play, the impact on that is huge. Secondly, what I would say is don't forget you had your turn. This is your child's turn. Mm. So uh, appreciate it for them. Yes. Um, you know, my dad told me that years and years ago. He's like, hey, this is your turn. You know, I mean, he was a tough guy. And he, if I was lazy, he made sure he told me. But he didn't interfere with a lot of stuff. And he just said, this is your turn. I, I had my turn. This Now right. it's for you. 
And I think that's an important message because that stems everything we just talked about, right? Absolutely. The reason the kids, the whole thing has changed is because adults are changing it, not the kids. I love it. Okay, last but not least, number four. What's next for Lee Taft, man? Well, I'm hoping, because I just took over a head coaching job, I'm, t- I'm hoping, Mike, to be able to certainly take this program and turn it around and get kids excited. But I'm hoping to use this as a model. You know, and, yep. and it's it'll be t- it's a charter school that I'm at, so it's a little bit difficult because kids can come and go and leave, and they, sure. you know, if ac- the parents don't like something academic, they're gone real quick. So that can happen. Which, but I'm trying to put in what I've been talking about with a model. I've already talked with a lot of players and parents and stuff about. Look at you guys need to be a part of what we're trying to do here. So that's that's really my big mission from a coaching standpoint, from a from our business standpoint. We've got some things coming up with basketball and education things on performance training for basketball, and we're going to just keep advancing that. So, uh, but I'm just happy to be in a gym again and hear that ball <laughs> bouncing. So, I love it, man. Well, I can't wait to see uh, the basketball performance stuff. You know, I love everything that you put out. And Lee, man, as always, yeah. just thanks so much for coming on, dude. This was great. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great stuff that you're doing? Thank you. Yep. They can go anywhere on um, social media at Lee Taft. They'll pretty much find me. And then uh, LeeTaft.com is pretty much our mothership uh, website. And that kind of tells what we're doing and what's going on and out there. And, uh, you know, yep. They can DM me or message me anytime. I'm I'm pretty good at getting back to people. I love it. Well, Lee, thanks so much, man. This was really great catching up today. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate you for uh, providing the opportunity because this is a tough subject for a lot of people and they run from it and, and it shows where your heart is. And, and, uh, you know, and I think that's why you and I have, you know, been connected for so long because there's, there's a, there's a greater good you got to be in this for yes. otherwise kind of missing the boat. So thank you. I couldn't agree more, man. Thank you. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's episode with Lee Taft. Really hope you enjoyed it. Such a crucial topic. And I know this is something that people talk about on social media. They might complain about it. But if you're not living it, and if you haven't been exposed to it firsthand yet, man, this whole like travel sports going all over the nation in the name of getting a scholarship or getting exposure, man, it's really crazy. It is crazy times out there. So I hope listening to this episode gives you some insight as to what's really going on and perhaps more importantly gives you some ideas as to how we can start to combat this, right? I don't have anything against travel sports per se. There are some great teams out there. There's some great clubs out there, but we have to start to build awareness. And until we do that and until we make the focus clearly on the athletes, for me, it comes down to two things. The athletes need to be developing They have to be getting better, and it's got to be fun. And if you can't check both of those boxes on a very routine basis, then you need to go back to the drawing board and figure something else out. So, small favor to ask. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody who needs to hear it. It could be another colleague, another professional uh, resource, another coach, trainer, rehab professional, or it could just be with a parent that's maybe in the throes of this travel sports culture and doesn't know what they can do to best serve their kiddos. So if you would share the episode with somebody, it would mean more to me than you can imagine. So 
With that being said, man, thank you so much for your support. As always, love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.